What is up, everyone? This is Alex Lieberman, co-founder and CEO of Morning Brew. Welcome back to Founder's Journal, my personal audio diary, where I give you, the business builder, the tools you need to think better in order to build better, whether that's building a business, a team, or a new product. And today, I'm back with a Founder's Journal strategy session. As some of you know, I've been reading a lot about business strategy. It's super important to building any type of business, and I've wanted to journal about what I'm learning for my listeners. Two weeks ago, I talked about what strategy even means. Last week, I talked about one of the seven core strategies of powerful businesses, which is economies of scale. Today, I'm talking about the second core strategy of powerful businesses, and that is, drumroll please, network effects. I love thinking about network effects, and it's probably because they play such a crucial role in all of our lives. Facebook, Amazon, Uber, Airbnb, Twitter, Clubhouse, Apple, AT&T, Tinder, eBay, the list goes on. All of these businesses have established dominance through different versions of network effects. And by the end of this journal entry, I want you to know what network effects are, how to identify them, and how to think about them in the context of your own business. Let's hop into it. I have always thought about network effects in a very singular way. And it's funny, I actually don't think I learned about network effects in college, like in a macro or microeconomics class. I think I first read about them when I was reading uh, Ben Thompson's newsletter, Stratechery. And, and the basic concept I've always understood is as you add more people to your product, the product becomes better for everyone. That is a network effect. But it's actually way more nuanced than that. And as I kept reading, I learned more and more of these nuances. For starters, there are two main types of network effects. The first is what's called direct network effect. And to understand what this is, all you need to do is understand your favorite social network. I'll go with Twitter. Twitter has 192 million daily active users. The value of Twitter at 192 million daily active users is far more valuable than Twitter at 19.2 million daily active users, which is far more valuable than Twitter at 1.92 million daily active users. Why is that? Because every additional user that joins Twitter's platform is now another person that you can connect with and learn from and whose content you can consume. This same property goes for Facebook, Snapchat, Instagram, Clubhouse, and LinkedIn. Hence why they're called social networks and hence why the companies I just named have established so much power in society in general. But LinkedIn, which was the last one that I mentioned, also demonstrates this second type of network effect, which is known as indirect network effects. In this example, let's not look at LinkedIn as a platform that has 740 million professionals. Let's look at LinkedIn as supply and demand, where the supply side is LinkedIn users and the demand side is LinkedIn recruiters. Recruiters love LinkedIn. It makes their job so much easier and more efficient for finding great talent to place at the companies that they're looking to hire for. Professionals also love LinkedIn. It helps them succeed in their careers as they network with other professionals, but also because recruiters will share open opportunities as they come up. 
every time that a new recruiter joins LinkedIn, the platform becomes more valuable for professionals on the platform because now the odds have gone up of more job opportunities being sent these professionals way. And every time a new professional joins LinkedIn, the platform becomes more valuable for recruiters because now they have more talent to scour to share with employers that they're hiring for. This is an indirect network effect or a two-sided network effect. Simply put, each new supply-side user, which in this case are professionals on the platform, directly increases the value of the network for each demand-side user, which are the recruiters. Airbnb is another great example of this, where homeowners are the supply side and travelers are the demand side. Every new homeowner makes the platform more valuable for travelers because there is new and unique inventory, and every new traveler makes the platform more valuable for homeowners because now there's a better chance of them renting out their place. Beyond the two types of network effects, there's also a ton of nuance when thinking about network effects actually in the real world. For example, what actually makes network effects stronger or weaker? Not every network is the same strength. And also, what are companies supposed to do when they enter an industry that depends on establishing network effects, whether it's in the world of consumer social or cable, internet, dating, etc.? Let's start with the first. What makes network-based businesses strong or weak in their network effects? So first I'll share the, the strongest type of network-based businesses, and those are direct physical networks, like literally physical. I mean, phones, electricity, internet, sewage, water. Think about it. Comcast and Verizon have constantly, for decades, had the lowest satisfaction scores of some of the largest companies in the world, yet they continue to dominate their market. Why? Because the upfront cost to literally lay a physical cable network makes it incredibly hard for competitors to enter, and it makes it pretty much impossible for me as the user, as the customer, to ever move away from one of these big carriers, since what's my alternative? It would literally be me being left without phone, cable, and internet, which obviously I'm not going to do. On the other hand, you have some of these newer, sexier internet businesses that actually have way weaker network effects, and therefore they are less defensible than these direct physical network businesses. And one reason for that is something known as multi-tenanting, where the supply side and the demand side generally don't care about being part of competing networks since there's no penalty for doing so, and it actually can be more valuable to be part of multiple networks. So here's a few examples. If I'm selling a TV, why not do it on both eBay and Craigslist? If I'm looking for the fastest ride from the Lower East Side to Midtown, why wouldn't I look at Uber and Lyft? If I'm dating, why not swipe on Hinge, Bumble, and The League all at the same time? Okay, so this is as much depth as I want to go into around the different types of networks and also what makes networks inherently strong or weak. But one other thing I want to hit on before diving into what actually this could look like, you know, for Morning Brew's business is what companies in a networked industry need to do to succeed. And my goal for doing this is if your company is in an industry where establishing a network is really important, or if at some point in time in the future, you end up at one of these companies, you'll think back to this episode and understand what are the dynamics that define the industry. So the first is industries with strong network effects 
are frequently described as being winner takes all. Basically what happens is one firm gets to a point of critical mass. And once that point is hit, other firms throw in the towel because the decrease in price they would have to offer their competitors customers would no longer make it viable for them to be in the business. So let's go back to the ride sharing example. Imagine if you tried to create a competitor to Uber today. Think about the benefit you'd have to give riders to not use the Uber app, right? Because on day one, you're not going to have the fleet of cars. People are going to have to wait way more than five minutes to get a ride. You would literally have to pay riders tons of money for the inconvenience of not getting a ride when they want it. For most people who think about coming up with a competitor or Uber, this is the first thing that stops them from ever entering the space. The second dynamic to the industry is that network-based businesses are generally bound by the characteristics of their network. What I mean by that is Facebook has stayed in personal interactions. LinkedIn has stayed in professional interactions. Uber has stayed in moving an object from point A to point B. And this isn't necessarily a bad thing. All of the businesses I just named are massive, but it does create some level of constraint for network-based businesses. Third and final, the winner of these industries that thrive on network effects is generally the company that is fastest to scale with the best product market fit. Facebook is the best example here relative to MySpace, which was earlier, but not a better product. The first example I gave around it being winner take all and this most recent example about it being about speed and product market fit is why typically companies in markets that rely on network effects end up raising a ton of money. The thing is they need to scale their audience as quickly as possible to hopefully reach scale first in a winner-take-all market. And in order for them to do a huge land grab of the space that they're in, normally a ton of money is required to spend on acquiring audience and building up their network. The last thing I want to do is actually think about what all this means for Morning Brew, because I think it'll be a good exercise for you to try with your own business. So basically the exercise I went through was first answering, does Morning Brew benefit from network effects? And then also, if I wanted it to benefit from network effects, what are a few ideas? First of all, Morning Brew does not benefit from network effects. Each additional reader we get to our main product, which is a daily newsletter, does not make the value of the newsletter better for every other reader. There is an argument to be made that we benefit from what I call brand and community network effects. And what that means is as we get bigger and we share with our growing subscriber base that we are growing, and even you know sometimes we give shout outs to our readers, the idea is that brand becomes more desirable in the eyes of our existing reader base which creates more lock-in for them to keep reading our product and being a part of our community. Yes, this may be a network effect, but I also think it's a stretch. And I would definitely say that this network effect is far weaker than a two-sided marketplace like you know Airbnb or LinkedIn or a direct network effect, especially like a cable network. The other thing I thought would be fun to do is actually coming up with ideas of what would a network effect at Morning Brew look like. Two quick ideas. The first is a curated LinkedIn. The idea is an application-only professional network that would get more valuable with each person that was admitted to the network. 
I actually do think there's opportunity for something like this because LinkedIn has been diluted in so many ways. But it's also important to acknowledge that part of the pitch of something like this would be to not fully benefit from mass scale network effects like a Facebook or a LinkedIn, since the whole thing is we're constraining how big it gets by adding in an application. We don't want it to get to hundreds of millions. Second idea is creating Morning Brew's own version of Bumble Biz or Shaper. Basically, these are two examples of dating app meets networking where you swipe through professionals that you may want to network with. But going back to strength of network effects, I would worry that the value of each additional user that we add to the platform would be so variable because the first user that you add may be a great addition to the network. They may be super driven and super interesting and people may want to really connect with them. But then the next user could be a bad addition to the network who is lazy and literally just wants to turn their conversations with people into sales calls. I'm going to stop there. But my goal with this whole journal entry is for you to have a good sense of what network effects are, how to spot them if they're a key part of your industry, and what they could look like in the context of your business. As always, thanks for listening to Founders Journal. And I actually want to meet my listeners. So here's what we're going to do. Shoot me an email introducing yourself to foundersjournal at morningbrew.com. Include your name, where you live, what industry you work in, and why you listen to the podcast. I'm going to pick one lucky listener to do a founder FaceTime with me. 15-minute FaceTime, you and me, and we'll talk about anything you want to discuss. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll catch you next episode. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard.